Welcome to This Is Influence. It's a show about how B2B brands and execs can become more influential. Strap yourself in for this one because we've got an extra special guest today. Rose Bentley is the Group Director of Clients and Strategy at Propeller Group and just has a really incredible CV and career. She was Global Head of Reputation for the storied agency Wolf Ollins for over 10 years. She's run her own PR business, Chambers Cox. She's been a TV presenter, she's been a journalist and a finalist on MasterChef as well. Just an amazing track record and series of achievements. She's got a black book of CEOs from leading brands who she helps to manage and grow their reputations. Uh, She's worked across three continents. So she's got this really fascinating perspective on what works internationally to, to grow your influence and your reputation. At Propeller Group, she essentially uses a combination of earned PR, own content, business development, and planned events to help their clients grow by reaching and engaging with the people that matter the most. We talk about everything from the foundational principles of growing your influence today, how to grow your influence if you're introverted, and just how to get your positioning right, because that's a really fundamental part of not being missed and, and being seen. If you're interested in any of that stuff, then you're absolutely going to love this conversation. So this is old. This is new. This is Influence. So Rose Bentley, welcome to This is Influence. Thank you very much for having me, Nathan. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So I'm going to start with this question. You're a lecturer at at university and you need to teach a foundational course on growing personal brands and growing business influence. What are the foundational principles or modules of that course if you were to teach that today? Well, that's a fantastic question to start with because um, I do love, the thing I love about my role is that coaching aspect of it and the ability to see how leaders transform. Um, I think the first thing that that I would want to, the first module is um, who are you and what's your story? Um, Because before you can really do anything else, a lot of um, leaders, a lot of CEOs, they know that they need to build their profile. Some of them really want to lean into it. Some feel less comfortable with it. Um, But the key thing is, is to bring the human in you. And what is it about you? What do you stand for? What's your point of view on the world? But also, how do you tell that story? And that's not a very simple thing. Sometimes that has to be a learnt thing. And for example, if you're your background is in engineering. I used to work many years ago with Wolf Olins. We work with Skype and we need to help them tell their story, their kind of big idea. But when you've got that engineering background, that's that's not something that will be instinctive. Your natural go-to is product. And so defining a story around Skype that wasn't about simply video calls, but was about bringing people together whenever they're apart was very transformational in the business. So I learned a lot about, my whole life has been in storytelling, but that's a really key thing that I learned that I think is is the first module that I'd want to bring to, to that, uh, I think, semester that we'd have for this rather than a whole, whole course. And then I think it's... Um, Defining then what your big what your message is, what you want to be known for, and how you're going to action that. Um, our old chairman um, Martin Loesch at Propeller used to say, "You need to do a thing." So, what's the thing you're going to do that's going to bring that kind of action and reality to your message? And then I think that final model would be about how you're going to get that out. What are your distribution channels? Um, how do we think about media opportunities? How do we think about things like podcasts, events that you might want to organise where you can build 
your community um, of the people that you want to influence. So there you go. I must go and sell that to a university now that we've defined <laughs> go it. And, go and teach that course. I'll sign yeah. up. Um, <laughs> Good. First student. <laughs> so, so help me understand then. There are so many stakeholders that CEOs are trying to influence. Investors, talent, uh, it's a big one. Uh, they're trying to sell internally and externally. What are CEOs trying to achieve by growing their influence? Well, I think you've just identified all those stakeholder groups. You need to be able to, if you think of yourself as CEO, you are a sub-brand of the brand that you are a CEO of. And so the human that you bring to that and the values and the point of view are very important to all those stakeholders. And you need to be able to, to flex. I mean, I've, I've, when I've had initial sessions with a lot of leaders and sometimes the, the talent aspect isn't the immediate penny that drops because they know that they need to do a lot with this, you know, the stakeholders, the shareholders and how they manage to that senior leadership. But this idea that they are also a magnet for talent at all levels um, and increasingly in the kind of society we live in now, this is so very important for younger people coming through the industry. It's what is what does the business stand for? And the leader of that business, you know, how are they showing up? So that influences, you know, so for things like social media, the question, you know, should we be posting parties and fun? Um, yes, absolutely. And you need to be at the centre of that as well. And I think that is, um, and it's so refreshing when I work with leaders who really want to lean into that. The question of social media, I think, is so important and foundational, for especially where we are now posts pandemic, it almost feels as though there's more of an emphasis for leaders to show up on social and be present on social. And it's a key way of being able to build influence and and, and build reputation. There are some leaders that are naturally, let me say, predis- predisposed to putting out their content and, and showing themselves on social media. And there are others that are a little bit more uh, uh, sort of introverted and uh, are un- less comfortable um, being overtly out there on social. How does your framework help all those leaders, all the way from sort of extroverted alphas to more introverted people? How do you work with people across that spectrum to uh, to help get their influence out there? Well, I think that, and I think it's an interesting point you make about social media, because there's a difference between broadcast and conversation on social media. And and you can see sometimes there can be a lot of broadcast. um, And the idea actually of starting conversations on social media can be a much more powerful thing. But if we just get back to that idea of your message um, and you think of yourself as a brand. So what is you? What's your big idea? What's the thing you want to be known for? Whether you're introvert, whether you're extrovert, there's going to be that beautiful bit in the middle between what your world needs and the things that you are passionate about that you might want to change in your sphere of influence in this wonderful business that we work in, in media and marketing, creative agencies in tech. But what is tangibly special about you? So that human aspect that we bought, what is it in your background and what is it in your experience that you're bringing for this? And then identifying that piece in the middle. Um, And when you've identified that, then it gives you a focus for everything that you do, whether that's speaking in the media, but also your point of view on social. So as you mentioned earlier, I worked for many years um, at Wolf Olins and Sarah Ashman, CEO, by her own admission, she wouldn't say she's a 
you know, a big extrovert. You wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine that because she does so much public speaking and, and has, has a, such a high profile. But it's that idea of her thing in the middle, her, her magic thing in the middle was this idea of the intersection of humanity and technology. Um, because of course we're at a time when tech is more than front and center, you know, um, every second conversation is about chat GPT. Um, but her angle there and her background is, is understanding what's that human piece and how thoughtful we should be about technology. And she went away and did a degree in, um, digital psychology. So of course the first question is, oh my God, what, what the hell is that all about? It's an immediate point of interest. So she um, can very easily then surface those um, those conversations um, on LinkedIn, whether she's sharing some earned content or whether she's posing a question. And I think building your influence is getting, it's, it's a two-way street. Um, you want to build other leaders around you uh, that you might want to work with in future or that you work with currently. Um, so social media is a great place and particularly LinkedIn, as that tends to be the medium for business to have those those conversations so that it's not just a string of humble brags or preaching or doing strange things on social media that you sometimes see. So when it comes to that piece about what you want to be known for, I think about that myself. And there are so many things that I do, maybe not too well, but there are so many, my life is so multifaceted and there's so many different experiences that I've, that I've had, and I'm not a fortune 500 CEO. So I would imagine that distilling a point of view down for a CEO that's that's had a, you know a, a, an extensive career and lots of different experiences might be quite tough to do. How do you distill that down into one idea? What how how do you how do you help leaders kind of work through that? Well, I think the danger when you've uh, well sometimes if you've been around a long time, there's a particular focus that you want to go to. It can make it it can make it easier. I think the danger when uh, you're perhaps newer to the game um, is that you there are so many things that you can focus on and so many things that you can say. I always find it useful as a framework to think, what's the overarching big idea? And then maybe there's kind of three themes that you can unpack um, underneath that, that give you a broader scope of things to talk about. So um, uh, it, it could be, for example, that you are wanting to change the game and and say uh to be big is to be is to be sexy to be big in size as an organization is is good um but then you can unpack what does that mean for talent you can unpack what does that mean for clients and partners um and it gives you a different scope and a different angle of things to talk about so you're not not necessarily limiting yourself by that one idea um it's allowing you to actually unpack that in in different ways if that makes sense so you can give yourself some some leeway we don't want to restrict the kind of things that you can talk about but it's always useful that it ladders up to some theme that you think, oh yes, I know this is this is what they talk about. This is what they're this is what they're known for. If I think about someone, you know, some of our uh, clients that we work with, um, and Tamara Littleton, and this idea of genuine humans, which is what her business is all about, and what's brilliant about Tamara is also that she really lives that genuine human experience. So she's um, unafraid, for example, to talk as she did on the BBC not so long ago about mistakes she's made in business um, and what it taught her. But nonetheless, there are all sorts of different ways that you can cut that idea of of, of, of genuine humans um, and the kind of channels that you can use. And I think that point I made earlier about the, the message, the action, 
and then the distribution. It's kind of all there. This is what we want to talk about. How does Genuine Humans manifest itself? Here are the things we do as a business and individually, um, making sure that, and she's such a fantastic champion and leader of diversity and inclusion and living that experience herself. And then things like Genuine Human podcasts. So there are, there are ways in which you can get that out and build that dialogue. So it's not a limiting thing to have a focus. You can cut it all sorts of different ways, but you don't want to try and do all things because then the message gets dissipated. And, you know, what do you become known for? In, in my mind, so much of building reputation and increasing your influence comes down to great positioning. You know, great positioning can really cut through the noise and, and target a specific pain point or a challenge of a target customer, especially when they're inundated with so much content that we're that from every different angle that we're always exposed to right emails phone calls notifications on our phones great positioning can really make the job of a salesperson so much easier in many ways what, what have you learned about how to do that well i think however big or small you are as a business and how no matter how uh the topic can be so huge that everybody's talking about it. You can find your own way to cut through and we can and we can help support that. Um, I, mean, I think if you look at people like Amy Williams at Goodloop and how she really, again, lives the brand and finds that and very, so, very, very vocal on anything to do with uh, sort of ethical issues. If you go the other end of the scale, um, Jason Kingsley at Rebellion, um, and here's how, how you bring the human into it. Completely different example, but he jousts in his spare time. He is he has a full suit of armor and he has horses. Now he is leading a gaming company. So actually it kind of it makes it makes sense, but but so passionate about it and some of the things that that has taught him about the world he works in is that total point of difference. So we are all moving to, I think, in society that, that businesses have to lead with purpose. I was at the Alpha Awards last night which Propeller sponsors. And uh, there was an award around business or, or campaigns with purpose. Uh, and Russ Kane, who was comparing, said, all right, so there are brands that don't lead with purpose and there's campaigns that don't. Well, obviously, they're no good, are they? Um, so I think <laughs> purpose is at the core. But purpose can take many can take many forms. And this idea of fun in life and how and, and that aspect of gaming and the fun it brings. Uh, and we haven't talked about that as well. Mm. It's it's a really important aspect, I think, of how we can bring that into messaging and positioning as well. It doesn't have to be always deadly serious. You can make a very purposeful point through humour. Describe what you feel the best leaders do consistently well who, who grow their influence and build reputations. Are there things that you've seen the best leaders do time and time again to get consistent results? I think it's back to that idea of bringing your human into the conversation and allying that to your positioning. That kind of magic in the middle, it's, you know, hey, it's another model, but it's a really useful model um, that you're not just integrating what the world needs and what's special about you. You're finding this alchemy in the middle that that is you. And I think the leaders that that really get that and uh, and do that consistently are the ones that will that will always that will always win. Sometimes, you know, when I'm coaching teams about how to present and about how to engage with clients, there's sometimes this fog that comes down on you in the workplace that is a corporate fog. And, and it's very different to how you'd behave out outside of work. And I think the best leaders, there's no difference. There's a um, they are who they are. And you and you you see what you get. 
and they're not afraid to show vulnerability um, and they're not afraid to have a punchy point of view around issues. Mm. Genuine humans. Going back, going back to Tamara Littleton. Yeah. Absolutely love that. But I can imagine that there'd be a lot of fear sometimes in that. I I would imagine just playing devil's advocate, there are those CEOs and leaders that just want to come in and just do a fantastic job, put their head down. Um, They're great at, I don't know, whether it's corporate turnarounds or M&A, whatever it is, they just want to come in and not really have to focus on themselves and and their own personal brand and and get and get a job done um what advice would you have what advice would you give to those sorts of leaders who say that they feel uncomfortable putting themselves out there um and they just want to come in and just get their hands dirty and do what they've been brought in to do well i think if if i'm having a conversation with those leaders at some level they they do want to do this or they feel that there's a need to do this but there's a there's a discomfort some CEOs, some leaders aren't comfortable and that will be more of your manager, coach, CEO who wants others perhaps to surface and, and, and shine. Um, it's kind of that, that BBC model, your, your stars um, and that you're kind of holding, your back for, holding yourself back for certain audiences, which is fine. But if this is something that really, you know, at some stage you need to do, it's like someone coming to a counsellor. I don't really want to, but I kind of feel I need mm. to do this. It's it's actually, I think the best guidance is to start with things that feel safe. So you're not going to suddenly launch into trying to get them onto the BBC talking about um, Google's latest set of results. You're looking at opportunities where they can road test their point of view and road test their messaging um, in a lighter way. And it might be that we start doing that through the medium of LinkedIn, or we might start by thinking, well, let's build influence through these things that you're interested in and organising something that's more event-led or roundtable or increasingly um, what lots of leaders love doing, you know, a kind of a hike and debate. So there are means, there are means that can be deployed that get get people a little bit more comfortable with what they want to say. And once you've started road testing that and you're using it as an opportunity to almost give yourself a dry run, then you can start to, then you can start to build that up. It's, it's in a totally different, like, you know, years ago, I think um, everyone knows where they were when London 2012 logo was launched. Well, actually it was supposed to be the brand that was launched, but what was launched was a logo and you can, there was an absolute uproar, at Wolf Olin's, the design teams had to go into hiding. It was very <laughs> bruising for the chairman at the time. I mean, they seriously did have to go into hiding. They were being doorstopped by the press. Wow. Very, very bruising experience for um, the chairman, Brian Boylan. My biggest point of pride, I think, in my time there was to help him tell the story of the 2012 brand in the way it should be told. Because by the time the Olympics arrived, everyone got, everyone started to get what the brand was all about. Um, but helping him get comfortable with telling that story, helping to give him a framework for how he could tell that story, having some dry runs at it. It was, um, and he was kind of transformed into somebody that actually couldn't wait to tell the story and was, you know, happy for all sorts of media opportunities. And I remember watching him being interviewed on the BBC and I just thought, wow, it's, it's, it's so great that that kind of that switch was flipped um, because you're helping kind of go through the, the process of making that happen. The power of a story to change the perception of a brand or um, or a company, I think, is is fascinating. I always go back to the the Guinness example um, when Guinness 
first came out. And I don't know how um, true this, the whole anecdote is, but um, for what I understand, when when Guinness first first came out, people were in uproar because they had to wait two or three minutes for their pint to to um, to settle before they could drink it. And all of these um, men, after they've finished their shift, they just wanted a beer in a pub. And Guinness almost went went out of business because because why am I waiting two or three minutes for for a drink when when every other beer uh, can be poured pretty quickly? But Guinness flipped this the script. Yeah. And change the narrative to say, well, actually, there's more value in waiting. Yeah. There's a reason why you wait, because you actually get the perfect pint. Um, and by changing that story, um, by making the waiting actually a feature instead of a, a bug, um, it's revolutionized the company. Yeah. And I think that's a really, a really, really important point that as a brand and as a person, you're not for everybody. And that's okay. You know, if you're uh, an organisation that wants to work with big global businesses um, and you don't want to, you know, that there are a lot of briefs that might come in for something that's more incremental changes and you don't want to focus because where you want to focus is on big systemic change. It's it's OK. You know, you don't have to you don't have to be all things to all people um, and you can make that very much premium. I mean, years ago, in my early days in PR working with Gucci timepieces, which was actually a part of Gucci that was created by an American guy called Severin Wonderman. Uh, so quite a young watch business and didn't have the heritage that Swiss watches had the kind of, you know, the Patek Philippe and the, um, all the others. Mm. Whereas Gucci obviously is a massively premium brand. So um, trying to develop that premium around the timepieces and the watches and how you did that in retail to kind of create that exclusive store in store. Um, and actually it was interesting positioning about them at the time is that um, they weren't a traditional Swiss watch, but Gucci was a premium brand. But their newness gave them a good angle, which was that they were the they were the clever marketers in, you know, they were the ones that because they were new and because they were innovating around new ways to market, that became a really good B2B message for them um, and a really good positioning for the brand, which wasn't necessarily expected, um, but it worked really well for them. So many great lessons and, and takeaways here. I could speak to you about this all, all day, Rose, but we're running out of time. I'm going to have to ask you my traditional closing question now, which is we're at a nice restaurant of your choosing. What's your favourite restaurant? Now, I, I'm going to give a plug for my uh, locale <coughs> in Twickenham and go for um, Shiuli, which is the most amazing Indian restaurant. The chef there is so innovative and things like he does like truffle parathas. I mean, wow. it's just okay. beautiful. So that's where I'd want to go. All right. So... We, you can bring three people to dine with you, dead or alive. And these three people have to make you better, smarter, or increase your performance in some way, shape or form. Which three people do you bring? So my first guest would be um, EJ Nwokorier, who I worked with uh, and was my old CEO boss um, at Wolf Odens, who then went on to be and is now um, European, European head of retail at Apple. And um, I just learned so much. And every time you you meet with Eugene. He's a really good friend that that you learn so much from him. But I think also when he um, first became a leader in the business and was interviewed for the, the website and he said, he said he'd like to, um, he'd like to get Beyonce on as a non-exec. So I think if he could bring Beyonce with him, that would actually be a bonus. So I'd like EJ Ambitious. there. Um, <laughs> um, Jacinta Arden, because I think she has taught so many 
um, really taught the world about what it is to be a kind leader and that you don't have to be, uh, a particularly in the political arena, which is, you know, shark infested waters. So I'd love to, I'd love to chat to her. And the final one, actually, and I talk about humour. I think humour is a really underrated quality. And I would like to have uh, Jennifer Saunders there as my third guest, because not only would she bring that that humour, but also she's achieved so much in her sphere. And I, I never forget someone telling me once that um, one of the reasons that I was I was a good leader, which was nice of them to say, was that I could have com- tough conversations with humour. Mm. That um, if you're trying to rehearse a team for a pitch and it's just not going well, um, the ability to say, right, you know, it's actually five thirty. It's after hours. So could I say that sucked? And could we try again? <laughs> it's kind of it's it's kind of releases the tension. Um, yeah. So I think it's always important to have someone whose job it is to be funny round the table three fantastic guests there it's um i'd love to be a fly on the wall at that dinner party rose bentley thank you so much for doing this thank you lovely to be here this is influence is a production of bridge growth the b2b influencer agency for technology brands i could not produce this show without our crack staff here at bridge tyler Baller is our booker christoph boaszczek is our executive producer i'm nathan annie barber you've been listening to this is influence